Good morning and welcome to day 27 and episode 27 of Dry Jan Like a Sober Rebel. I'm Louisa Evans and I'm a cognitive behavioural hypnotherapist and today's episode is going to be all about therapy but not just CBT. I wanted to research to find out more and to share with everybody the many many different types of therapy because like with anything no one thing will help everybody. Everybody's different, everybody's story is different, their motivations are different, the way that they like to work is different. So everything from talking therapy right the way through, I wanted to do an episode on all of these different therapies that we hear so much about and what they involve. When you go sober, you'll hear a lot of people talking about emotional sobriety because not picking up an alcoholic drink and not touching alcohol is only a part of it. People use alcohol and will have used alcohol for a reason, whether that's through social anxiety, as we talked about in yesterday's episode, or in dealing with problems or helping you cope with things that are going on in your life. So you're always looking to understand those triggers and to work out what could potentially trip you up in the future and find different coping techniques. I do want to say, though, whoever you go to to help you with your mental health or your sobriety, please do your research. It's really important that they're insured, that they're accredited or registered with a governing body that's relevant to their profession. For me, I'm an accredited member of the General Hypnotherapy Register and I'm an accredited practitioner with the General Hypnotherapy Standards Council. So what this gives you is peace of mind. It means that someone's qualifications have been checked, verified and are reputable. And it also means that with most bodies, they will actually be expected to engage in regular supervisory sessions to ensure that good practice is honoured and that they have to engage in regular CPD, continuous professional development, in order to update their knowledge and skills. The other thing is, if you're wanting to use health insurance to pay for any treatment, then your cover provider will require that you go to someone who is accredited on their list of approved accreditation bodies. The biggest reason of all, though, is that accreditation ensures that your therapist is only operating within their own sphere of competence, that you know they're going to refer you to someone else, another practitioner, who may suit you better if it's outside of what they can help with. There should also be a proper assessment of your mental health, undertaken at the start of any treatment plan. There should be an assessment of your risk factors for anxiety, for depression and also for suicide risk. The thing is, when you're quitting alcohol, you won't just be dealing with the physical act of stopping drinking or even the cognitive challenging and restructuring of your beliefs around alcohol. Unhealthy drinking patterns don't usually come alone, I'm sad to say. There could be unhealthy issues with other addictions, like with food, or unhealthy obsessions that could then develop that people engage in to fill in the gap that alcohol left. Everything from online shopping through to social media addictions or even toxic behaviours of creating drama in their lives when they don't need to because they're missing the drama that alcohol used to provide. There could be underlying eating disorders, issues with relationships to talk through, 
confidence that needs boosting or negative self-talk that you may need help in challenging. So you can get talking therapies on the NHS, you can get counselling for depression, and you can actually refer yourself directly in the UK to NHS talking therapies from your GP. And the first therapy I'll talk about is CBT because you can also get CBT free on the NHS in the UK. So let's start with that one because that's the one I have the most experience of and that's the one that I've trained in. CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioural Therapy and it's quite commonly used these days when it comes to depression, anxiety, panic disorders, phobias and things like obsessive compulsive disorders, PTSD and some eating disorders. In CBT, what will happen is you set the goals for therapy with your therapist. It's a very goal-oriented therapy. This is very much about the therapist understanding what it is you want to be able to do or how you want to feel at the end of your sessions. You can actually even learn how to do CBT and do online courses yourself because all of these techniques and tips all help you deal with intrusive thoughts and to overcome and change those sabotaging behaviours. I've gone through quite a few techniques of CBT in this series, one of them being the think, feel, act cycle and thought distancing and thought swapping. And so in this guided self-help way, you can actually work through CBT-based workbooks or computer courses with the support of a therapist and that's something else that you can get on the NHS. And the idea is with all of it that that actually that you're using and learning helpful tools and techniques that you can still implement and use after the therapy is finished. Some people prefer more traditional counselling and counselling is a talking therapy where you talk in confidence to a counsellor and they can help you find ways to deal with your difficulties. And that's often offered for people with depression or are suffering with bereavement. So in CBT, your therapist will explore the relationship between your behaviour, your thoughts and your feelings, because that's what CBT is all based on, that all of those things are interlinked and influencing each other. So if you can shift and change any one or two of those items, then the whole experience will change. And so a CBT therapist will look to uncover those unhelpful thought patterns. And then they'll talk to you about how those patterns can continue and how they can cause self-destructive behaviours. It's all about looking at developing more constructive ways of thinking and realising that you're a lot more in control of your thoughts than you think you are. It can offer a really healthy, positive outlook for somebody and it can help someone feel more in control, help them take charge of their life and understand what's actually going on. So moving on to the next type of therapy, dialectic behaviour therapy, and this is called DBT, which is similar to CBT. However, DBT focuses more on regulating emotions, being mindful and accepting uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. So a therapist would use DBT to help you find balance between the changes that will be inevitable in your life and the acceptance of them. Again, They're teaching you new skills, such as new ways to cope with situations and different mindfulness practices. There is eye movement desensitisation and reprocessing therapy, 
And this is something that if anybody's watched the Prince Harry documentary, he used eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy or EMDR. And it's actually used to help people primarily with PTSD. What it gets the person to do is to recall the traumatic event while performing specific eye movements backwards and forwards. And what it's aiming to do is replace those adverse reactions to those painful memories with less charged reactions or more positive responses. There is thought behind the fact that benefits derive from the person relaxing and exposing themselves gently to the traumatic event in a relaxed, calm, safe environment. And then you have exposure therapy, which is a part of CBT. And exposure therapy is actually what's often used in hypnotherapy as well. And it's used really effectively to treat people with fear or anxiety or phobias. So in this, with a therapist, you work out what triggers your anxiety or your fear. And then you're looking to learn methods to avoid those ritualistic behaviours or avoidance behaviours that you've got into. So exposure therapy can actually be where the person exposes themselves in the moment, in real life to their triggers in a controlled environment so that they can rehearse and practice a new response. Or you can do that in hypnotherapy. So if somebody is completely phobic of something, then it's safer for them and feels safer to do it in their imagination. And the results are very, very similar. Your mind and body doesn't know what's real and what's imagined. And it's all based on the anxiety curve. You feel that anxiety is going to rise indefinitely when you're phobic of something or you've got anxiety. But actually, if you stay in the situation, your anxiety drops off. And a really good example of this was years and years before I trained, but I had a bit of a fear of heights. I wasn't fond of them, shall we say. And I decided I wanted to go up to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Now I was determined and I decided to do it in steps and stages. I wanted to go up to the first floor and then the second floor and then do the top. And at any point I gave myself permission to back out. Now, this was years before I qualified in what I do now. So this was an instinctive way of doing gradual exposure therapy with myself. And it worked because I'm no longer afraid of heights. But what I did, rather than go up in the lift and suddenly walk out and be up there and totally freak out, I decided I was going to take the stairs, which sounds completely bonkers for somebody who's scared of heights to take wrought iron stairs that you can see through. But with every step, the people were getting smaller, I was getting higher, but my body was getting used to it. So after a little while of walking around the first stage, I was calm again and I was able to do the second stage and I was calm again. What was a little bit different was when I went right up to the top, the third stage, and anybody that's been up the Eiffel Tower will know that there's a lift, it's a glass lift and it keeps going. And I honestly felt like I was in Willy Wonka's lift on the chocolate factory. It just felt like it wasn't going to stop. And that was quite a shock to my system then to be so high. But I stayed up there and I allowed my body to calm down. Where fears, anxiety and phobias build is when you get scared like that and you get out of there. Because what happens is your system then calms down because you've got back onto the ground and the fear builds further because you're telling yourself, see, I was right to be scared. Your body affirms to you, look, you felt scared up there and now you don't. Therefore, you were right to be scared. 
and that's how phobias build. So exposure therapy is basically working on the idea that you can't remain in a heightened anxious state forever. Your body will calm down, even with something that you think you're terrified of. The trick is don't run away. As long as you're safe, stay there. One of the things I've been asked to talk a little bit more about is hypnotherapy and how that works, because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around it. Basically, hypnosis is a special way of using various naturally occurring psychological and physiological states. And it really is a collaborative process. So you're very much involved. You allow yourself to follow the guidance of the hypnotherapist. And you use your imagination to evoke positive emotions and to rehearse any behaviour changes. And really, anyone can, in theory, be hypnotised. I want to dispel the myth. Hypnotic trance is not a trance-like state. It's simply an increased ability to respond to positive suggestions. So you're just relaxed and you're focusing on the ideas being suggested. You are not asleep. You are not unconscious. You are totally aware of everything that happens. It's not a state of mind control. It's a very similar state to meditation. You can't be made to do anything against your will either. On the contrary, actually, you must want to accept the suggested ideas. When it comes to comedy or stage hypnosis, it's got nothing to do with clinical hypnotherapy. So please take what you see on television, on stage or in the media with a generous pinch of salt. So if you just look at it from this point of view, psychological and emotional problems can be seen as the result of negative thinking. So hypnotherapy is suggesting positive ideas in order to lead to improvement. And thousands of positive experimental and clinical research studies on hypnosis have been published. It's just a simple, down-to-earth and common-sense therapy. By relaxing, thinking positively and picturing your goals, hypnosis or self-hypnosis even can help you to progressively improve how you feel and behave. And you notice I added in there self-hypnosis because all hypnosis is essentially self-hypnosis, whether you're listening to someone in a room with you or whether you're listening to someone on a recording. And as you know, I mention it at the end of every episode. If you'd like to try hypnosis for yourself, I have a range of self-hypnosis recordings on so many different subjects, not just sobriety, on my website, louisaevans.com. If you'd like any advice as to which may suit you best, or if you'd like something written and recorded for you, then let me know. Another therapy is interpersonal therapy. And this is helping someone work on their relationship with others. During interpersonal therapy, what the therapist is looking to do is evaluate someone's social interactions and helps them gently to notice any negative patterns that could be forming. And it's the therapist's job in interpersonal therapy to help the person learn new ways to understand and interact positively with others. So I'm just going to touch on another one of the therapies that I incorporate in my clinic, which is mindfulness-based therapy. And we've talked about mindfulness in this series. It's the practice of becoming present in the moment. It aims to encourage a person to observe and accept things as they are, and without judgment. And a study in 2015 found that mindfulness-based therapy helped relieve anxiety and depression. 
But mindfulness is something that needs to be an ongoing thing that you do. It's not something you can go sit in a therapy room and do once a month. It has to be a practice that's incorporated into everyday life in order to be effective. You've got all sorts of different therapies then that you could build on. You could look for creative arts therapy, which improves cognitive and motor functions and self-esteem or self-awareness. So this is allowing people to use creative mediums such as dance or art or music or pottery to express how they're feeling. So if you're not used to or aren't comfortable with talking therapies or you don't like the idea of CBT or DBT or mindfulness, And this is just another way of helping to express yourself. There are group therapies and when it comes to alcohol, the biggest group therapy of them all is AA. But there are other group therapies for generic issues so that people can join together as a group to resolve issues. And so there's somebody leading the discussion and individuals are commenting or contributing their personal thoughts and experiences. So this is another way of engaging and interacting with other people who feel the same way that you do, which is incredibly empowering. It's like anything in life. You have to find people that you feel comfortable with and feel safe with. There's family therapy. So that's working with the whole family unit to resolve specific issues. They can help a family understand and work through patterns of negative behaviour where lots of different personality types are coming together could cause underlying problems. There's emotion-focused therapy, which is EFT, which is building on your awareness of your emotions and regulating and resolving them. So it actually encourages you to work on your emotions rather than suppressing them, and that's a very effective therapy. And for those who love animals, there's even animal-assisted therapy, So that involves someone spending time with a trained therapy pet and that can help someone reduce their anxiety as well as helping people with PTSD. And some hospitals, nursing homes and other medical facilities use therapy pets to provide that support or comfort. There's psychodynamic therapy. So that's helping a person combat negative patterns of behaviour that have started from past experiences. This involves speaking freely when you're asked questions, which allows the therapist to identify those patterns of behavior or thought. And once you understand how those experiences have created those unhelpful behaviors and feelings, you can then learn to overcome them because awareness is the first stage. Psychoanalysis is a more intense type of psychodynamic therapy. And that's usually where, according to the American Psychiatric Association, the therapy sessions can take place three or more times a week with psychoanalysis. And I'm sure there are other therapies out there that I haven't touched on. But I think that's quite a good overview of the many different types of therapy. They all tend to stem in some of the same belief systems, but they have different approaches. And you'll find those approaches either sit with you or they don't. Over my lifetime, I've had coaching, I've had therapy, I've had counselling, I've had NLP, I've had hypnosis. I've had such a plethora of things. But the thing I connected with personally was CBT because I like the logic. I like the idea that I could control my mind because that's what I'd always felt was out of control in my life. 
I liked the idea of learning tools and techniques. The only thing I can say is don't think that you have to be at some sort of rock bottom or have some massive problem with your mental health to get some support. We've all learned things over the years. We've all picked up unhelpful thought processes, unhelpful habits and behaviours, belief systems based on our education, based on how we were raised, based on friendships and working environments over decades. Sometimes you just need a little help to unpick the bits that aren't working for you. And it doesn't need to end in months and months and months of talking therapy. You can actually find something that just unlocks that one thing for you and just helps you feel more free in whatever it is you're looking at. So I hope that's been useful, that overview. I was amazed myself at the different types of therapy that are out there and I've only covered about 14, I think, there. Do some more research. Apologies to anybody if I haven't included a therapy that you do or that you've used. If you'd like to find out more about CBT and hypnotherapy as a combined offering, which is what I do in my clinic, a combination of mindfulness, CBT and hypnosis, So using the CBT techniques alongside hypnotherapy, which I know we've discussed in a previous episode. And that's the thing. You want to be combining the things that work for you in your sobriety and in your mental health and discarding what doesn't work for you. So I hope you find something useful in this. And if you'd like to find out more, please do send me a message or visit my website. I do do sessions online through Zoom as well as face-to-face in Newint in Gloucestershire in the UK. So I hope you have a wonderful day and I will catch you tomorrow.